everyone. Welcome to Do It Today. I'm Kara Catruzula, and today I'm talking with Linda Samuels, who's a virtual professional organizer who facilitates change in her clients' lives. Her company is called Oh So Organized, finding balance between chaos and perfection. Does this idea resonate with you? Because it really resonates with me. And I'm so excited to talk to Linda about all of this, especially at this moment of change in seasons. So Linda, thanks so much for being here. Where are you and what are you doing today? So first of all, the most important thing I'm doing today is talking with you. And I'm so happy to be doing that. And thank you for having me here. So today, honestly, it started as it normally does. I like to have a slow start to my day. I like to get up early and not rush before the first thing. So I meditate, I journal, I like to have my coffee and breakfast while I'm kind of reviewing my tasks for the day, my schedule, and responding to emails. Um, And that's kind of how I start. And then other things happen. So I got to have a quick conversation with our younger daughter, which always makes me really happy. I had a follow-up conversation with a client. I went to a Zoom meeting for a group that I go to. I'm a professional organizer advisor for this group called The Nest, which is a wellness and professional development company for women. And so they have different advisors. So I attend that. I'm hoping to take a nice walk by the river today if it stops raining. And then I have a couple of projects I'm working on. I have a workshop about the antidote to discombobulation. (laughs) So I work on that. And then I have another, uh, a round table that I'll be leading on lessons learned. And that's for a local organizers group. So I'm going to work a little bit on that too. It sounds like a lot of varied activities. And I was sort of struck by this, this idea of not rushing in the morning. I've just noticed the difference in attitude towards the rest of the day, starting from a place of not feeling behind when you wake up, not sort of scrambling compared to that nice ease into the day. How do you think that that changes the tone or sets the tone for you? It makes all the difference. There's so many things that I do that are other focused. I'm a helper by nature. And whether that's my family, my clients, you know, anyone, I love to help. And when you're someone that likes to do that, if you don't feed yourself first, you're going to burn out super quick. The idea of taking my own pacing to feed myself first, to wake up in a way that I need to and put the good things in, I'm then more available to others. And so it really makes a huge difference. And I don't think I always had that ability to do it. But at this point where I'm at, it's an essential. So for instance, um, if there's a morning where for some reason I'm considering not meditating, my husband will even say, you're not meditating this way. Like he knows knows the difference. So (laughs) it sounds like you're going to, you know, move through your day with a sense of control and ease. And I'm like, well, maybe I should meditate like Linda. Would you have a sort of recommendation first for someone who wants to try it out? The advice that was given to me was that if you're going to try it, it's great if you can train with someone, even a short training. But I use, at this point, when I use an app, Insight Timer, which I like very much, and there are one-minute meditations, there are one-hour meditations. And I'd say average, I would I'd meditate probably somewhere between 15 to 30 minutes in the morning. But there are mornings where I know I just need to get myself to move a little faster. And so I might only do a five-minute meditation. It's not about perfection. It's not really about progressing anywhere. It's just a practice that helps me to 
settle myself and be ready for the day. So I find, you know, even during the day, sometimes there's something that's super stressful that happens. And I would say that it's not the formal practice that I'm doing then, but I might take the time to just take a breath or two. And again, the breath can be a meditation and often meditations are focused around the breath. So it doesn't have to be this huge, big thing. And full disclosure, there are a lot of people that meditate sitting up. I actually meditate in bed. I meditate lying down. This sounds amazing. Yeah, I love to meditate, you know, before I get up. It's just a great way for me to start. So we are at the tail end of summer. We're talking at this sort of last gasp of summer. And I don't love to say that because I think it freaks people out. But I think just this acknowledgement that like all of our routines and habits are probably going to change a little bit as summer is ending. Do you have approaches that you use with your clients for perhaps closing down one season and starting the next? Absolutely. So one of the things that I think is really fun to do. It's what I call the success check-in. I mean, you could use it for wrapping up a season, wrapping up a project, but basically what you're doing is you're revisiting the past successes. So let's say we're specifically talking about wrapping up summer into fall. So you're thinking about the successes that you had in summer. You're appreciating and learning from any whoopses or failures or mishaps that happened. And then you're using those to build upon and reset for the next season. The review doesn't have to be something time-consuming or formal. It could even just be a willingness to think about it, you know, kind of like taking a walk down memory lane. Mm -hmm. But for me personally, I'm a writer. I know you're a writer too. So I love to write things down. So that's like a perfect journaling type activity. But you can also, let's say, look through photos through the summer, which might jog your memory of things that happened. Also, by looking at those photos, it might bring on some reliving of happy experiences. But when you're doing the review and check-in, there are certain questions that you might want to ask yourself. Things like, what did you do this summer? Or what projects did you begin or complete? Where did you travel? Or what new learning did you discover? Who did you enjoy spending time with? Did you have time for yourself? And what kind of self-care did you engage in? Do you remember a favorite day that you had and what made it significant or what challenges did you experience and what did you learn for those? So those are ways that you can kind of reflect on what was so that you can make sense of it in some way. And that helps you to move forward to where you're headed for the next season. You know, we all talk about spring cleaning, but I feel like fall cleaning has to be a thing too because we have to switch out our summer clothes to our winter clothes and we might have to, you know, move things around if people are going back to school, if you're starting new jobs, you know, what have you seen in, in your clients who are trying to make strides in organizing their life? First of all, I just wanted to acknowledge what you're saying about the shift of, of seasons. So for example, the idea of spring cleaning or fall cleaning, you know, someone very clever in marketing came up with those. But <laughs> the reality is that the seasons and the change of seasons, which has nothing to do with marketing, but it has to do with like cycles of, of life in a way. These are wonderful times to do this sort of recapping, reassessing, readjusting. You know, you can do that at any moment. You can reset for a day for in an hour, or, you know, in a, a month. But there's something very special about resetting each season. And living in the Northeast, we have four seasons. So I've grown up in four seasons. And, and there was something about connecting to those that I find as really integral sort of into the 
process of how you're living your life. I was curious about this connection between the organization of our physical spaces and how that can create a cascade effect into like how we approach our creative or work projects. Basically, you know, I've noticed if my desk is a mess, if my desktop, my Google Drive, my files, my kitchen, if things are in disarray, I really cannot focus on my big creative projects. Cleaning up around me just seems to set the stage for my best kind of creative work. And I was just wondering if you've seen that with people that you work with. There's so many themes that run through the work that I do, but very often change is occurring and we're working on some type of change. With change often comes letting go. And it could be letting go of physical stuff, clearing space. It could be letting go of ideas that no longer serve you. There are all kinds of letting go that happens. It is really hard to move forward when you feel stuck and overwhelmed by your space, by things from the past that are just they almost feel like a weight, I would say. That's how people have described it. And I've certainly experienced it myself, where you want to move forward, but you're held back. And sometimes those things, it's a weight or a distraction in a way. To prepare for a new season, there are all kinds of things we need to do. Like there's the physical space, absolutely. Preparing the environment, because as you said, clutter can cause blockages in thinking, in our well-being, in the daily flow or our routines. So it's really a great thing if you can make time to let go of those things that you don't need anymore and you don't want and that are in your way so that you physically, literally can clear a path for this new season or this mm -hmm. new project and the new time. But there's also preparing emotionally. And some of that is prioritizing your self-care. If you're gearing up for this new season and fall can be, for many of us, a really busy time. Are you prioritizing your sleep and, you know, getting enough movement in your day and doing nourishing activities, hydrating, you know, to fortify your energy and your reserves? Even things like gathering your team. Have you collected your go-to people, you know, your family and your friends and your colleagues and professional support who are going to be there to help you succeed and bounce ideas off of and, you know, navigate your frustrations or even cheer you on? So. All of those things help you move forward and prepare for this next phase. What are some very small, actionable things that we can do on, say, a Monday afternoon to set the stage for this next season? You know how we started at the beginning and we talked about the daily practice, the meditation practice, which could be a lying down practice, which could be a minute a day. You know, I'm also thinking that there's a daily practice of resetting or preparing yourself. That might look like in the morning, being intentional about what one to five things you want to focus on that day. And then at the end of the evening, deciding in advance, what is your stopping point? And taking some time at that time to kind of wind down your day so you're handling some of these things so there are not too many loose ends the next day. I mean, look, we're never going to be done with everything. That's the reality. You know, we talk about productivity, we talk about crossing stuff off our list, but if we're living, we're going to have stuff to do. And so what can you let go of and what can you do a little bit of? And then what is really the priority? Where do you want to really focus? You know, even in moving forward to the new season and figuring out what you can do to put aside, 
even scheduling in downtime, like it's okay not to do stuff, you know, like that's Mm -hmm. really important too. Because if we're constantly busy and doing, we can't even figure out what we're trying to accomplish going forward. You know, my next journal, which is out September 12th, is called Do It or Don't, a boundary creating journal. And I wrote this and yet I do not take some of the advice or I can't remember all of the advice all the time. But, you know, there's a chapter called Make It Easy in which I advocate for setting up systems for creative work or work work or relationships, setting up sort of systems or guidelines around communication with our collaborators or how we approach our deadlines. And so you're not having to constantly reinvent the wheel every time or to search for how do I respond to this or what do I really want to do or say. This idea of making it easy on ourselves seems to be in line with what you offer the people that you work with. Like that should be our goal to sort of say we're not going to eliminate the to-do list and we're not going to check everything off. But maybe when we do have these things in front of us, approaching it with a sense of ease and clarity might be the way forward. Somehow, I think mixed with that badge of busyness Mm -hmm. is also the sense that we have to be perpetually doing and accomplishing whatever. I like to get things done and to be productive as much as the next person. But I'm also realizing how important it is to let that go too, to allow yourself not only to not be productive, but to just be present being. And that's not like a 24-7 thing where you're just sitting and staring out the window or watching the leaves blow or the the river run. But, But we need a little of that because if you can't stop yourself long enough to just be, all the other things that you're doing, you're gonna have a hard time being present for those things and feeling intentional about those things. Part of preparing for that next season is really figuring out, well, what are your goals and why are those your goals? And if you take the time, it doesn't have to be hours and hours, but to stop and to really reflect on that, then all the things you do will make sense. And even the stopping doing them will make sense. Just having that quiet for yourself too. You've written about to-do lists and you advise people to think about creating a not to-do list. And when I read this, I was like, well, I'll look at mine, but I know I have to do all the things on this list because otherwise, why would they be there? And then I started to kind of poke through my list and I'm like, some of these things are three months old, no longer relevant to what is important to me now. Some of these things are giant projects that need to be broken down into 50 to-dos and not one line with a little checkbox next to it. But this idea of sort of clearing the brush away from the things that are most important to you really resonated with me. And how can someone sort of look at what they have on their agenda and assess, is this something I really need to do or is this something that I do not need to do? So I think the step for that is having that conversation with yourself. Why are you doing anything? I'm not challenging you. I'm just saying like you ask yourself, like what is driving you and what are the things that are important to you? And then is this thing on my list, does it align with that? For instance, the why might be the things that drive you have to do with family, with friends, with making money, with personal satisfaction through the work that you're doing for putting positive thoughts out in the world. I mean, there's a zillion reasons why we do what we do. And then when we start to look at our list of things, 
you can start to see, well, does that tie into the why of, of why I'm living now? Of course, there are things that we need to do that are just tasks of life. We, we may not like paying our bills, but it's just one of those things. There are an awful lot of other things that end up on our list that either could be delegated or like you said, I clear the brush. Is that what you said? I love that. You know, they may have ended up on that list because they popped into our head and we wanted a place to put them. But when we look at them in the context of the bigger picture, we're realizing, you know what, this is no longer something that I want to pursue and it's okay to let it go. Or maybe it's something I can delegate to someone else to do. Or maybe it's just a not now kind of thing. You have a website, a blog, you've written a book, you have a newsletter, an Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, as we all do, a lot of people who are making work and whose work depends on connecting with people. There are so many ways to be connected, so many notifications, so many comments, so many ways to engage. And one thing that sometimes overwhelms me is the desire to respond, which then sometimes contradicts with the need to create work and do other things. And I want to do both, but I'm just wondering what some strategies might be to control this information that it's things you actually care about and want to do. And it's not trivial stuff you want to engage, but how can we do that in a way that feels intentional? I know as a writer, you're putting things out there, but when you're putting something out there and you set it up in a way that allows people to respond, when they respond, you want to respond back, right? That's like a natural mm -hmm. thing because you've put something in the universe and you're creating a dialogue. You're not looking necessarily for a one-way conversation. And so as a blogger, certainly I understand that or even, you know, being active on social media. But I do draw I do draw a time limit around it. So it's not like I'm constantly looking and doing, but I will take certain parts of my day to check in to see if there's something that needs a response. But I don't let it take over everything because, again, I'm thinking of the bigger picture. Why am I even doing it? So mm -hmm. it's twofold. One, there's a lot of things that get put out there for everyone to read that is damaging and awful and makes you feel terrible. And my intent is to put stuff out there that uplifts and informs and helps people through the challenges and struggles that I see all the time. That's why I do it. And if someone has responded to it, I want to be there, you know, to, mm. to respond back. So that's how I look at it. It's a conversation, but how much time do you want to spend on that conversation because there are other things that are going on. And it, it's just a balance. So I see it as a boundary issue. You can think of it as a time block or a boundary, but that's kind of how I think of it. It all comes back to boundaries. Um, and yeah, I think yeah. that <laughs> I often think back to when my day-to-day -day life was a lot busier and, and so I had to compartmentalize things. And so email batching was my best friend. You know, I would look at my inbox, but I would not open anything unless it seemed urgent. I absolutely would not respond to anything until lunchtime or after lunchtime, you know, like one or two o'clock. And then I could just answer everything in about 40 minutes and I sort of close up that part of my life and then be able to focus on on deep work. It's just so funny to remember things that worked for you in the past that you completely abandoned and could probably use. And a new season might be a great time to revisit that. So that's really interesting that you brought that up because you just reflected back on something that worked that actually it could work for you now. And that's the beauty of kind of looking back on past 
successes, which is kind of where we started in a way of there are so many successful ways of working and we don't always bring them forward. When we move on, we kind of reinvent or try something else or change our habits. But very often bringing something back that did work can work again. Not It doesn't always, but it sounds like something like that could work really beautifully. I really did appreciate those boundaries. But I love this idea of remembering the successes and remembering what might have worked for you and I think can be so, so helpful. So thank you for that. To sort of circle back to this idea of closing down our days, do you have a closing up shop routine or something that sort of echoes the way in which you enter your workday with the meditation and this like ease, which I'm, I'm just going to harp on forever now? While I have certain things set in my day, I also give myself some flexibility. You'll rarely see me scheduling things butting up right to each other because I need a little flow in between each thing to kind of reset, gather, think about what just happened and be ready for the next thing. And at the end of the day, I will stop. I won't take clients after a certain hour. And so then I know I'm starting to shut down that working brain. And that also means I'm probably not going to be working on other projects. And that will vary probably by about six o'clock. At least I'm going to stop. It might mean that I go take a walk by myself or with a friend. And that's a wonderful way to separate the work day to the evening part of the day. But at some point, I will change into my pajamas, you know, love it. off into the pajamas. And that signals no more work. So I'm not going to answer emails. I'm not going to pick up the phone. I am now on Linda time. And again, it was not always that way. You know, I, I've raised two daughters. And so when you have little kids, there is no, it's a very different pattern. Mm -hmm. But at this stage of life, I can choose to craft it in a way that supports what I need and then allows me to support all the other people that are in my life. I'm taking pajama hour and just absolutely <laughs> using that in my own life. What a great physical representation of like days over. Let's go. Yep. This is this is me time now. Well, I could talk to you forever and ever. Thank you so much for making the time and and helping us ease into the next season in a calm and more organized way. I can't wait to learn more from you in the near future as well. You'll probably be getting a call from me soon. <laughs> well, thank you so much. It's such a joy to get to know you. As I said before, I just love the way that you write and what you put out in the world and just keep doing it. And thank you so much for having me today. Thanks, Linda. 